Welcome to another edition of Revealing the Diamond. I'm your host, Tiago Prem. And on the show, we have our first Moon Council conversation. So every new moon and full moon, we've started a new tradition of gathering on Zoom uh, with the community of practitioners and talking about all things practice. So we talk about Ashtanga Yoga, we talk about recovery, we talk about consistency on the mat and in the practice, amongst other things. Uh, so it's a it's a great conversation. Uh, there's a few different people sharing on there. Um, yeah, and just sharing some of their insights. So that's great. Um, and they're doing so with uh, with permission to share their voices. So I hope you enjoy it. Uh, stay tuned for more Moon Council calls. They're happening once again on the moon days in Ashtanga when the shala is closed. Um, if you don't know... Uh, I am teaching Ashtanga Yoga again, full circle, all these years later. Uh, it's been an incredible blessing, and you can join. So in person is at Casa Copal in Kits, and you can check uh, check that studio out if you haven't already. It's on Broadway and Vine. And then there is the online Mysore room, which has been also incredible. So please do join for that. You can find out about more uh, as far as the online is concerned at tattvasyoga.com, T-A-T-T-V-A-S yoga.com. We've got a practice week coming up here in uh, July, July 17th to 21st on Salt Spring. I'd love to see you all come out for that. There's Mysore Every Day workshops and uh, great community time in nature. It's going to be awesome. I also have some beginners courses coming up. Uh, in-person beginners course at Casa Copal on June 17th. This is great for all levels of practitioners, especially people who are brand new. And uh, also I have a four-week course that is happening in June and July on Thursdays at 5.30 p.m. So four weeks, and during that time, you have a 30-day pass to access the online Mysore space just to give it a go, right? Sometimes people are intimidated by the Mysore room. And I just want to reiterate that the great thing about Mysore is it's really good for beginners because you're working one-on-one with a teacher as opposed to you know showing up to a class and hoping you survive and hoping you don't get injured. Uh, instead, you work from the beginning with the teacher one-on-one. It really is an effective way to learn to practice. So I would encourage you to, to come or send anyone you know who could benefit from the practice Uh, especially even after listening to this talk. So that's what's happening with me. I hope uh, everybody's doing well, and I look forward to seeing you on the mat soon. Enjoy this talk from our Moon Council meeting, and I will see you all very soon. All right, take care. think one of the brilliant uh, ways of teaching in that Mysore style is that um, you can meet everybody where they're at and everybody, regardless of your skill level or experience level, can practice in the same space but actually be learning in the same space as opposed to if you just show up in like a present day yoga studio and the teacher's telling everybody what to do and somebody 
has never done it before and somebody's done it millions of times and everything in between you know it's like how much are you really learning in an experience like that you're having an experience and, mm. and you know ho hopefully it's a positive one but more just from the place of like learning like there was a, a person in the Mysore room this week who said I've been going to yoga classes they're young like in their early 20s and they're like I've been going to yoga classes for three years and I I was doing this wrong like the whole time and nobody ever corrected me that's like what they said and I think that's pretty common and actually just to a full confession here um, I've been a teacher who didn't give corrections to people who could probably have used it in a big room like that and the reason why is that it's like how can you get to everybody I mean there's just so much going on whereas in the Mysore space it's like okay, you're new. All right, let's work on this one little thing and you learn it. And then once you learn that, we'll add another one little thing and then you learn it. And then, and then it's in you, like you, you know it in your, in your body, not just, uh, you know, from following yeah. along or being led or guided, like it really. And then the other thing I wanted to say about uh, what you shared too is like, there's like this accountability piece with that style of learning in the Mysore room where it's like, okay, you got this, good work today, we'll see you tomorrow. And then you're like, okay, I'm gonna show up tomorrow and I'm gonna do my best to like, you know, show up and get it done. And then you do it again and then you do it again. And for me, like as a sober person who tried a lot of different ways to get sober, that kind of accountability where it's like you and the teacher or you and the community, people checking in, making sure that you're good, making sure you're doing your practice, you know, checking in on you. Like that's really powerful, I, I, I think personally. And um, I'm really grateful to be able to practice in that way as a student and also to teach in that way as a teacher for sure. Yeah, I had this kind of revelation today when thinking about it and actually talking with a friend and for those that don't know like I'm currently living in a treatment center and that's been a big struggle in my life but it's going good now um <clears throat> and how it relates to recovery I was like well if I can get up and do I don't know how I phrase this but I'll kind of stumble through it it just like you were, <laughs> you were saying about accountability and well obviously like using substances is kind of contradictory to what yoga strives for or teaches i think um a spiritual path doesn't really involve using drugs and alcohol <laughs> for me personally i guess um, and so it's kind of like, well, if you do this every day, then it would almost be not impossible, but I'll say this for, for, to make my point, it would be kind of impossible to relapse or to go back to using, because if you're doing one, you're not doing the other. And I understand, you know, I could one day decide to ditch it and choose 
choose drugs over practice. But if I'm choosing practice, then in a very black and white way, I'm not choosing the other thing. And that's kind of cool. And I like the simplicity of it. And then I'm like, you know, the dedication to it and the accountability. I mean, uh, there is no real reason for me to not get up and do this thing every day. Like, unless there's certain extreme circumstances, I don't see why I I can't get up and do it other than just being crazy or kind of having an emotional response to it where I'm like, oh, I just don't feel like doing this today. And I think the whole point of what I gathered from what I listened to today and sort of what you, you've te- taught is the you do it regardless of the emotional state or of what you got to do today or how tired you are or whatever. Cause I feel like one of the cruxes of being a human is we all want to make changes or have, have some things that we'd like to do or like to not do. And we're good at keeping up with that until one day you're like, oh, I don't really feel like it today. And then, you know, you're, you're back in the shit again, doing what you don't want to do. So I guess, I don't know. Uh, I don't know how that all lands with with y'all, but um, <laughs> I, I, I like that part of it and that's how I'm approaching it, I guess. Anybody have any feelings about your own? I mean, just to be clear before we go further into this conversation, um, you know, I have a relationship to recovery and sobriety in my own personal life and journey and the practice and the way that I teach is for everybody, whether you consider yourself to be a person in recovery or not. So just want to put that out there so everybody knows it's like, you know, it's a powerful tool for people uh, with addiction. And also it's a powerful tool for a lot of different reasons in your life, whether you're a parent or whether you're an artist or whether, you know, you need to make some big changes in your life. It's going to take some grit and determination. It can serve in a lot of ways. So just want to uh, put that out there for everybody listening to this, who, who are on the call and who are going to listen to it after the call. So, yeah. Anybody else want to speak to, I mean, we got right into, right into the consistency piece. So I, I love talking about that. Okay, so thanks for the uh, comment in the chat. It says, uh, I find there can be resistance to doing the primary series as some of the postures don't always feel good in my body. I'm wondering how to work past that. Is it necessary to work with only these poses? Uh, Is it necessary? Uh, It depends what your goal is. I mean, if you want to learn to do Ashtanga yoga, then I think it's really important to learn how to do the sequencing um, and the choreography, um, but also like when it comes to yoga practice, there has to be some enjoyment happening. And if you're not enjoying yourself, you're, you're not going to do it. Now, that being said, do I enjoy all the aspects of my personal practice? No, <laughs> not at all. Um, and have I had to learn to modify things and work on different things and and maybe like scale back on what I'm doing and change my approach and all of that. Yeah, for sure. I've done that a lot. And there are also many different yoga practices that you can do. 
and they're all beneficial, like they're all good. Um, so I can only speak to my own personal experience with this practice and why, uh, why, I mean, this is where I started with yoga 20 years ago, um, necessary in the sense of cultivating a sadhana practice. No, it's not necessary. But why don't I tell you, and anybody else can speak to this uh, after me, why, uh, why I went back to Ashtanga Yoga and why I've chosen to uh, teach and practice it. And the reason why is it, I'm like feeling really, uh, I've, I've been back doing Ashtanga Yoga for almost six months now. Um, I started doing this practice 20 years ago in my life, and um, I've come back to it. Now I'm doing it as a sober person, so that's very different. I'm doing it after many years of other aspects of yoga practice, like study of yoga philosophy, pranayama, meditation, devotional yoga practices, other asana practices. So I've definitely explored a lot of different uh, modalities and elements of the practice. And I was just like, when I came back from, we were living down in Mexico, I was like, I feel like I'm gonna just do a little bit of Ashtanga. I had been missing having community around and I wanted to do a yoga practice that was strong where the teacher didn't talk the whole time. Honestly, like I just wanted to be in a quiet space, but with community. And that's where I was like, I think I'm going to go back to Mysore, but I'm just going to do it one day or two days a week. And then once I started doing it one or two days a week, I was feeling really good right out of the gate. Like it was hard for me because I hadn't done it in a while. My body kind of remembered. Um, and I was lucky enough to have like a teacher who was really strong so he could help me. I mean, I have a big guy like I'm six foot three and uh you know i'm not a tiny little yogi so i need somebody who can really uh, physically support me in the practice and i had that and yeah i just was like i love this i miss this so much i miss the quiet i miss the challenge i miss the breath the breath is so powerful and i missed like getting up early in the morning and working on this practice and so I, two days turned into three days, turned into six days a week, turned into like, where, where has this been all my life? I'm so happy to be back. And then uh, someone in our community who knew me for years really pushed me to teach. Like, you should be teaching. Why aren't you teaching? You've been doing this so long. Get back and teach. Like, she's like a mother kind of figure in my life. And anyhow, one door after another opened and. I'm back teaching and now I'm watching other people have a similar experience that as what I just described in the practice where I'm watching, you know, somebody who's come back, they've only been doing the practice for 30 days. And when they started, maybe they couldn't do Chaturanga. And at the end of 30 days, they're just like busting it out every day. And it's not about whether or not you can do chaturanga. It's about seeing like, wow, I'm stronger than I thought I was. Just think about how that's going to like translate off the mat, like proving to yourself that you're strong, 
proving to yourself that you're resilient, proving to yourself that you can say you're going to do something and you do it, like you show up and you practice. And you know, you hear the teacher say, see you tomorrow. And you're like, yep, I'll be there. And you show up and you do it again. There's some, some, I don't know what you want to call it. It's not magic because it takes hard work, but there's something there that really translates into other areas outside of the practice. Now, if you committed to some other potent practice that you loved and gave you some of those feelings I described, then do that, do that, you know? But if part of you is like, no, I really like the practice, but it's hard for me. And, and some of the poses are hard and I'm not sure that I'll ever be able to do them. Well, that's part of the, that's part of the journey. It's, I'm there. Like I got poses right now that I'm like, oh man, not this one again. But I'm learning like about equanimity and doing the, the things I don't like and seeing if I can meet them with the same energy as the parts of the practice that I do like. And that's not easy, but it is changing over time. And uh, yeah, so, you know, you got to have enough, you got to have enough awareness that like either A, you like this or B, it's worth it. So that when you face those challenges, you'll keep going. But if you, if you're like, I don't really like this and it's not really worth it, just do something else. You know, there's other ways, as I guess what I'm saying, as far as sadhana goes, and you got to have something that challenges you enough that, you know, you don't want to do it, but you know, it's good for you and is sweet enough and fun enough that keeps you like showing up for the challenge. That's the stiram sukham asanam. The practice needs to be disciplined and it also needs to be joyful to be effective. Anybody have any thoughts or insights on the consistency in the practice? I'll share. Yeah, I know you will. <laughs> I'll share and I have to hop off. That's why. Um, okay, great. But yeah, I was just more, um, I was listening to this talk today. It was about, about the body as like a quantum biological, biological terrain and how every cell um, every, you know, strand of our DNA is encoded with like a structured water. And our, so this is like our fascia and like the places that we hold, not just, you know, muscular skeletally, but it can show up as that, but it's also like holding emotional um, frequency in the body density. And I thought about, you know, our practice as a way that it like, and like you can actually, you know, with fascia, like you, it, it does respond to physical manipulation, like massage and yoga. And of course having, you know, clean diet and water and all of those things are equally important, but in choosing to do Ashtanga yoga, which like systematically, you know, moves you through the bodies, you're, you're, you are massaging your whole being and little by little, like breaking up those de densities, those denser layers that are our emotional holdings. We're breathing the life energy, like what even like Harvey was saying, like, it's like this choice and you can choose, but it's kind of like when you're stepping onto the mat and saying yes to your practice, like you're choosing life, you're choosing prana, you're choosing vitality, you're choosing healing. Um, and then, you know, you, you know, when we're not choosing to infuse that into our 
life in some capacity and doesn't have to be, you know, on the mat necessarily, but I, breath is life and, and spending, you know, 90 minutes to two hours in a con, con in the concentration and in movement and in breath. Like I think that's just such a powerful tool, you know, to, to lean on as a, as a sadhana and as a, just, yeah, like a lifestyle choice <laughs> that is leading for, you know, to you to higher conscious or like a higher consciousness or not necessarily higher. That's not the right. That's not what I mean. It's just more being more aware and being more present and having like checked, like having had an experience early in the day, it just sets the tone of your day so that you're better equipped to face life. And when you're doing the hard things, like the new postures or even the uncomfortable ones, like you are building your capacity to breathe through challenges and like those are going to show up all day long. So yeah, I just wanted to share a little insight that I had and, uh, yeah, grateful to see all of your faces here this evening. New moon blessing. I think like something also with challenging postures to keep in mind is like, uh, this might've been in the David Swenson talk. I I'll put this David Swenson talk in the WhatsApp group if you guys haven't heard it yet. There's two interviews with him that are just next level inspiring. And one of them I'd sent to Harvey, but one of the things he was saying is like, when you're doing any kind of deep spiritual work, which is essentially what yoga is, even though it appears to be physical on the surface, like you don't really know what's being like integrated into your cellular system and like when it's gonna be useful, because it might not be at the time, like things may shift and reveal themselves later on down the line and I found that to be incredibly true, like just without all the energetics and esoteric side of the yoga, but like take a posture like Marichasana D, you know, it's a deep posture. Like you've got one leg in Lotus, you've got the other knee into your chest, you've got your arms wrapped around your whole body. Um, like I'm a person who, like I had serious knee problems in my life because I'm a basketball player. When I was younger, there's just like no way I could, I could hardly sit cross-legged on the floor. Like it's just, there was no possibility. And doctors were mm -hmm. like, you should really get surgery and da, 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 da. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm just going to do yoga. And now fast forward to like, now it's 25 years later. And when I came back to Ashtanga yoga, I, Mari Chasna D was like a real mm -hmm. pain in the butt when I started. And when I came back six months ago, I remember like trying to do that and just thinking to myself, like, there's just no way that this is going to happen. Like just kind of breezing by it and forgetting about it and ignoring it and avoiding it and all the things that you do around a difficult thing and believing in the story around it. And, and then I like started to just soften my approach and just be like, okay, it's part of the series. Just do whatever it is. I know it doesn't look good, but whatever, just be with it. And when I started to soften some of that, I started to be able to access the posture. And now when I come into Marichasana D, the way into the pose still sucks. Like, it's just like, this is fucking terrible. Like, why is this even in the series? 
And that, but then when I get into it, like when I finally get over my mind and my story and my body, not, not aggressively, like I'm not pushing and injuring myself, but just like going right to my edge and like finding that spot. When then when I finally get it and I, I clasp my hands, I feel like I can squeeze everything in. And then there's an experience in my body where I'm just like, I could stay here forever. I never knew that, that I would ever feel like that. And the only reason that I do feel like that is because I just like let go of the story and I just showed up and tried and tried and tried and tried. And now I access this, it's almost like a consciousness in the posture that I never really, you know, experienced like that before. It feels pretty good. But it would have been real easy to go, ah, I got knee problems and you know, I'll never be able to do that. And at the same time, it would have also been real easy to be like, oh, well, I should be able to do this. And now I'm going to push through and hurt my knees. Not that either, but there's this like sweet spot in the middle. And that's the equanimity that they talk about in the yoga scriptures. And a practice like Ashtanga is like making you face that in the way that you practice. It's like, can you be okay with this? without being violent and without being lazy. <laughs> Love that. You know, yeah. And, and like, I, that's where I'm saying, like some of those things are being downloaded into your system while you're doing the hard things where you're like, yeah, it looks horrible. Like I, I love watching the people who really listen in the jump backs and the jump throughs. If you say like, don't lift your hands no matter what, and they do the like baby crawling back and forth on every vinyasa and to like the uneducated person they would be like or unexperienced they'd be like why are they doing that and i just watch them and i think they're going to make so much progress not only in this practice but outside of the practice because they're okay being on step one they're not trying to skip through to step five and they're not trying to sneak one by the teacher. That was, that's my style. It's like, oh, the teacher's not looking. Quick, go back and they'll think you did it. You know, they're just like, okay, this is step one. All right, I guess I'm doing step one. Nothing to prove, you know, that kind of thing. That's like the humility in that. That's also gonna translate off the mat. And that's kind of where you're like, it's not just about the the asanas the asanas are working on something underneath the asanas there's always a reason why you can't do something it's like mm -hmm. it's, it's too early uh i'm too tall my feet are too big i'm not flexible enough uh, i haven't practiced in six years i you know you, you could just go on and on and on and all that stuff comes up in the practice it's like mm -hmm. i i ate too much last night i you know if i just showed up more often this would be easier like there's all these little narratives going on and some of the beauty of like this is what it is and so you just do it there's no yeah like there's there's not an alternative you know if for some reason like there is a physical limitation like you know where you physically cannot no matter what do it well just learn what it looks like and then you'll figure out a way to work with it it's no big deal and i think that's what i really because i've been looking for a home practice for a long time 
and I like the rules around it. the Ashtanga, the teachers that I've practiced with who, who were familiar with Ashtanga or come off of a lineage of it were the ones of the classes that, I, that really spoke to me, but it's recreating that in my own home is really hard, but I find with this, it, it, it's, it works like nothing else ever has in my own space and it it takes away like yeah sure some days i'm super tired some days i have kids all over me some days whatever but you know you you show up and you do the best you can and then you you go on with your day and then you show up again the next day because you know you're going to have that opportunity but it's also being okay with what you can do in that day and not beating yourself up about it and not and, and not to say like I don't set expectations. I have things that like to the way that I'd like it to go. But the last two weeks, nothing has due to illness, and and I was like, okay. But I've I've learned a lot in these last two weeks because I have to let go, and I've had to just do the best I can and share things and come out of it and continue. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have, I mean, in the Ashtanga sort of realm, I have two primary teachers that are really dear to me. I mean, I have many, there's so many people in this lineage that inspire me. Um, but in my life, like the long span, I have one teacher who's a long time practitioner. Who, and when she was young, she had a spinal cord injury and she was laid up in a bed, like maybe couldn't walk again situation. And she knew the first series off by heart and she knew how it felt in her body. And so when, you know, while she was dealing with the rage and the pain and all of the things that come along with having a spinal cord injury that was caused by a drunk driver, uh, you know, instead of laying there and feeling all the rage and the anger only, she started setting her alarm and going through first series mentally inside her mind and doing the breathing. And she said it gave her a lot of like peace and solace that she probably couldn't have found anywhere else. And she realized like, oh yeah, I'm doing the practice, even though she couldn't get out of bed. You know what I mean? Like that's where it's like, it's not a performance. Like we always want something to work on because it gives the mind something to chew on. Like, can I jump my feet forward and land softer? Can I get the jump through without my feet touching the floor? Can I get my leg behind my head? Like you got all this stuff to work on. It gives the mind like giving a dog a bone kind of a thing, like gives it something to do. But it's that's not the primary focus. The primary focus is like learn the key elements of the practice, like the ujjayi breathing, the vinyasas, how they feel in the body, the choreography of the practice, where you look in the practice, like as you start to learn the drishtis, try it sometime. Try not doing the drishtis and looking around. Once you know the drishtis, where you look, and you'll know you'll notice it completely shifts the practice. It's like the looking around is like you kind of get racing ahead, like trying to get to the next thing. And then when you start locking the eyes into the drishti, that rushing pulls back. It's like in meditation, like if you look around, look around, look around while you're trying to meditate, or you like bring the eyes to, to a fixed point, it completely changes the experience. 
And so for her to have this realization of like, oh yeah, I, if, as long as I can breathe, I can do this practice. Like that, that's amazing. And if you're not breathing, you're dead anyways, you know? And then my, the other teacher, Taylor, you know, he's 17 years clean from an intravenous heroin addiction problem. And what I really love about him is like, how, how do we get more people who are struggling with not having structure in their lives and struggling with the disease of addiction, which is a disease they'll always have. There's no cure for it. It doesn't go away. You have to take your medicine every day to treat it. And Ashtanga Yoga is a good medicine for that because of the accountability, because of the structure around it, because of the cleansing qualities, like show up and sweat it out. You know, like put some of that creative force and some of those emotions to work on the mat and then go out and live, live your life. And you'll notice that you'll feel different. And I found that to be uh, true, you know? Yeah, definitely. Thank you, SJ. And nervous system regulation. Um, I mean, SJ could attest to this too. In the six months that I've been back, like I feel so much calmer and more present in my day to day doing this practice, like there's just no question. And having that awareness, it's like, I'm so thankful to be able to do this. And then I'm seeing it in other people, like listening to what y'all have shared today, watching the growth of the students who are showing up in the room. And, uh, you know, some of the, the brilliance of the Mysore style practice too, is like, there's no filler. Like, you know, it's, it's, if you love the like flower your hands and, you know, like, you know, some of the poetic language that happens in the yoga space, that's wonderful uh, for you. But for this, it's like, this is a meditation. There's no filler. It's like, we do this, that's it. And then you, and then you do it and you have to have the experience of what it is on your own. There's nobody painting the picture for you. You just say, you put your hands like this, you look here, that's it. And then it isn't just that there's a deeper experience, but it's up to you to put it to the test and have that experience. Nobody's telling you what it's going to feel like and how, you know, all of those things. It's just you, your breath, the postures and showing up and getting it done, you know, but I would say like sleep, sleep is important. And, you know, if you can make space to get the sleep in, there are people who do it. I mean, if you think about Sharat in India, when they have their, the season that the students come to practice in Mysore, yeah. he does his practice at 1 a.m. He has a family, he's a householder, that kind of thing. Yeah. And then the students, I think they start at three, like the first group of students. And then he teaches for eight hours straight wow. when their yeah. season is on. And then you know, he comes home, he does the family thing, he goes to bed, he gets up and practices at one. Now, he does that seasonally, because is it sustainable to practice and teach like that year round? Probably not. You know, especially the teaching, because it's like, once you have students doing some things that require you to be like lifting them and moving them, and uh, it's not like you just sit in your chair the whole time and watch. So, but I mean, I, I had like, I like, you know, I had a stretch there when SG was away where I had to get up at two 30 
and get my practice done. And I've got a child and sometimes I'm getting to bed at nine and 10 o'clock. And, you know, it wasn't easy to do that. Uh, but I also like proved to myself for a stretch that I could do it. And I think, you know, one of the things to do, especially like the way we follow the, the moon in this practice is like the new moon is a time for setting the intentions of what you want to create. And if you said like, okay, I want to create like a, a different lifestyle or job where I could get up or where I could change and shift some things in my life. Um, and I'm going to show up for practice you know, what, how, whatever you commit to X amount of days and, and like tough, tough through it. And maybe I'll have some realizations in committing to the, a practice of awareness between now and the, and the next full moon, which is only two weeks. <clears throat> you could notice like, did anything change? And you could be like, nope, it didn't. Or you could be like, wow, I, I actually noticed some profound shifts or, and then you're always doing this fine tuning, which that's what the practice supports. I'm doing that. Like, I'm like, oh, okay, like, I'd really like to have this aspect of my life. And I keep doing my practice and I start to see, oh, yeah, I can kind of see how that would work. And then I also see things where I'm like, I keep trying to do it this way and it's just not working. So like, that's enough of that, like that kind of thing. And I feel like any kind of practice of awareness is going to help support that. It's like if you just stay in bed and, you know, eat pancakes and go to work, are you going to have those same kinds of moments of clarity and awareness? I mean, I can't say for sure, but I can say from my own life, like when I have a moon day, like a day like today, where I'm like, I didn't get up in early and do my practice. I took all my appointments off. I took a little space for myself. I really like love that. Like, I'm like, wow, I had a day to myself. But I can tell you from experience that if I was like, maybe I'll do this again tomorrow. And then the next day, like all of the awareness that's cultivated in my practice would go away fast. Mm -hmm it would just start to unravel and then I'd be like what have I done and then the beautiful thing <laughs> is that like you know I heard uh, David Swenson saying today where he said that his wife had a really good relationship with her mother and her mother supported her no matter what and so she said like she thinks about her yoga mat like her mother meaning like she'll always be there with open arms no matter like how long she's been away or like what kind of patterns she's been engaged in. She's just like, oh, you're home as opposed to like, uh, you haven't been here for two weeks. Like what the hell, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so I, that really resonated with me. And yeah, I think it's just important to always remember that it's like, why are we doing the practice in the first place? And and if we're if we don't have some skin in the game, we might not know why. Yeah, yeah. So you know, I I keep a practice journal that really helps me as a tool. Like, I write in my practice journal after practice pretty much every day. Like some days I forget and I have to go back and write it. But and. I don't usually go back and read it, but sometimes I do like I'm like, oh, I've been I've been working on this pose for the last four months. Like, let's go back and take a look at 
how it's been or like, you know, I really wanted to get back to teaching uh, a Mysore program and like, let's look at how we got to where we are now. And it's pretty cool to be able to look back and do it. And it only takes, you could like, if you're coming to the shala to do the practice in the morning, you could literally finish your practice, go to your car, take out your phone or a journal and write for like three minutes and then drive home. Like it's, it's not a huge task. Because then you're kind of noticing like, oh, yeah, like, uh, this has been really interesting in this way, like whatever it is. Yeah. 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 So I would recommend, you know, to everybody who's listening to this, whether you're live on the call or whether you're listening to the recording on the new moon, like really reflecting on two things, like what are you uh, wanting to create or what are you nurturing right now in your in your life and what is its relationship to practice? Um, and then also like what's getting in the way of that? You know, because I mean, in a lot of shamanic traditions at the new moon and the full moon, like you're having a fire ceremony and you're writing down these things that you want to create and you're writing it down the things that are getting in the way and then you're putting the offerings in the fire i mean we do that every morning in that ashtanga yoga it's like okay we'll get up hit the mat do the thing learn the practice get it done that's how it works you know and it's more than just you know some days it's like check mark i got it done hooray for me but other days it's like oh yeah i you know i should really get in touch with so and so like you get these little like you know or you have like memories especially like if you you know haven't been sober for a long time and you start doing this stuff like you start getting these floods of memories coming through you know like whatever it is it's like it's a practice of awareness and I, for whatever reason, like I tend to need something difficult to, I guess I got a thick shell, you know, to get underneath like all the bullshit, like just get in there and see what's really going on. I, I always, I mean, even when I wasn't doing Ashtanga, like I went to India and prayed on the, these marble steps in a Sikh temple for 17 hours straight without a rest. Like, that's not a light. That's not like a, you know, I think I might try meditation. I, I don't roll like that. I'm like, okay, sweet. This is supposed to clear 8.4 million lifetimes of karmas. All right, I'll go. Sign me up. Let's do it. And then when you're doing it and like suffering and thinking, what the hell is wrong with me? Like, I could have just taken a Tai Chi class at the community center. <laughs> But later on, like I, like I was saying, you, you see like, oh yeah, I see like what this is about. I understand this. Oh, I've got some deeper clarity on the patterns I have and the relationships that I have. And, you know, it's useful, it's beneficial. Um, but in the moment while you're doing it, do you know it's always useful? No, there's all kinds of resistance and yeah, and that's why that's the practice part, I guess. 
It's like, do it, at least do it for long enough that you find out whether or not there's something in there that, that is, makes it worth it. You got to give it a fair chance. You know, show up and be like, I did Ashtanga yoga for six months. I did the whole program. I did the six days a week, one day off, new moon, full moon, the whole song and dance. I did it for six months and it was all just like a waste of time. All right, do something else, you know, like, but if you're like, I went to the class twice and it was hard and I couldn't do the poses. So it wasn't for me. You're like, you might've missed something. Yeah. Well, we're coming to the end of the hour here. So if you have any, uh, anything else to add, we'll, we'll wrap it up and be back in the shallow tomorrow for some of you. I can put um, the David Swenson interviews in the uh, uh, WhatsApp group so you can listen to them. There's two of them that I quite like. So I've shared one of them with Harvey. Um, yeah, he's really incredible. I mean, one of the things that I'm so inspired by uh, him is like, the way his body can move is so amazing. And then yet his attitude about the practice is so like light. Like, it's like, it's about fun. The practice is about fun. Like don't make it into a bunch of drudgery. It's, it's fun. Yeah, it's hard, but like doing hard things can be fun, you know, like that kind of thing. And I really resonate with that. Like, yeah, I don't know what it is, man. I mean, even when I was in treatment, when I was 20 years old, like I, I didn't even really understand what yoga was. And I was just getting up before all the other people in the treatment center and doing what I thought was yoga practice an hour before everybody else got up, you know, it was mostly like shoulder stand and like wiggling around on the floor. Uh, I didn't have a lot of technique or anything. But just like something in me was like, this is what you do. You know, you want to get sober, you want to change your life, this is what you do. Like some part of me knew that this is what you do. And people are like, why do you get up so early? It's like, I don't know, I'm doing yoga. <laughs> you know, and then you look all these years later and you think, Wow, I'm, I feel so blessed to have a practice that supports me to dig through my stuff and I and I get to do it every day. You know, and it makes me a better father, makes me a better person, <laughs> makes me have a fuller experience of life. Uh, it connects me to some, I know some incredible people who are sober in Ashtanga Yoga and this practice has really brought out like their gifts and talents like super powerful activists, artists, scientists, and yoga teachers. And like, they just couldn't get their shit together. And then they had something that was super structured and it just brought out the best in them. And, you know, I'm, th I'm looking at it and going, this stuff really works, but you gotta do it. And that's the hard part for a lot of people. And that's where, you know, if you're going to take away anything from this, it's like, 
it's not a performance. It's not about who's the best at it. I mean, those things are fun to work on, but really it's about just show up and do the practice and see what happens. You know, and you start where you are, you know, you're, and where you are at the beginning is learn the Surya Namaskar A and the Surya Namaskar B and the last three poses at the end. And the reason you start like that is that's a complete practice. That's a complete practice. Three sun salutations, A, three sun salutations, B, three seated poses at the end, you're done. It's great for beginners and it's a complete practice. And if you get to do more than that, then you're blessed because you put in the work to learn it. And if you don't get to do more than that, you're blessed because you showed up and practiced. All right. Well, yeah. I'll be back in the shala tomorrow, um, online and in person. I'm, I turn on the Zoom at 5.30. I'm in the space at 5.30.